Everyone's in the best shape of their careers. Everyone added 10 pounds of muscle. The vibes couldn't be better unless you're in Boston or Brooklyn, that is. We'll have all of your NBA media stuff that we can cram in the 35 to 40 minutes here on Locked on NBA. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day and your first listen every day. We really appreciate you joining us on whatever platform you are. We are across pretty much every platform in existence, including YouTube, where you can join a live version of the show or watch it on repeat, as so many choose to do. We really appreciate your support and all those five-star reviews that you can give us as the NBA season is set to get underway. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. Joined by my co-host, David Ramil. He's co-host of Locked On Heat. So much to get to, David. Like this is We, we got the, the Monday of Media Day, and you and I were both at our respective local media days, you in Miami, me in Denver, and... So much to get to. There's so much to try and hit. We're going to have coverage for you all throughout the week on all the shows, all the stuff coming out about training camp, all the important things. There's a lot of stuff for us to get to. Why don't we start with the Brooklyn Nets, who obviously had themselves a little bit of a summer, had had themselves a, a little little fun drama, little 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 drama, a little hot mess over the summer with you know Kevin Durant reportedly demanding a trade and and then demanding that Sean Marks and Steve Nash, both of whom spoke today, by the way, and said everything's cool, uh, demanding they be fired, Kyrie Irving's whole thing, turning eventually turning down options to, to go to other teams. Not a lot he mentioned today. And uh, essentially, I think it was option with the Nets. The comments, David, were messy. Uh, it was a messy day. It's good that they didn't try and just be like shut it down. I feel like the yep. Knicks would have tried to just be like, nope, everything was fine. No, nothing, nothing to see. Nothing here. happened. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, I think that's great. I, I think, look, a lot of I've covered bad teams before, and they go in there with the the immaculate vibes of a team that's predestined for a championship, only to win over twenty games, and, and it's just that's what media day is all about: false hope and optimism. Uh, for so many teams like there are 30 title contenders in the nba today something will not experience at any point for the rest of this train like somebody's going to get hurt in training camp so already you're going to start you know weaning out some of these teams but there's a lot of false optimism out there you know what i'd like it when it's it's true and real and brooklyn didn't shy away from the fact that they recognize they messed everything up this offseason and it was bad and awkward and they were open about it And, and i think that's that's a real positive sign, right? You, there cannot be healing until you admit there's a problem. And boy, was there a lot of admission of problems today in Brooklyn. So that, to me, is a very positive thing. From Kevin Durant to Kyrie to even the front office and coaching staff admitting that they could have been a better team, that they could have been making better adjustments in key moments. Uh, I, I take that as an incredible sign of a positive outcome from what was a disastrous and potentially really really bad summer like you know there were moments there where we had no idea you and i wondered aloud on this show can they regroup can they fix this can they put it all together well 
it, it seems like they may have, you know, and again, that might just be part of the media day positivity vibes. But for now, at least I, I see that there's real recognition there and a self-awareness that I would have thought lacking from that group. And that's a, a good first step, in my opinion. Let's hit some of the quotes. Kevin Durant on why he made the trade request. Quote, it was a lot of uncertainty around our team last year. I committed to this organization for four years last summer with the idea that we were going to be playing with that group, Katie and Kyrie and James Harden. Obviously, that didn't happen. Asked if he was disappointed in not being traded. He said, no, I'm not disappointed. I'm doing what I love to do. I feel like either option, we still have a great team, but nah, I'm not disappointed. Regardless of what happened this summer, I wasn't going to let it affect the work that I do. Said that, quote, he's not going to be the liaison between the organization and Kyrie. Okay. All right. That's a little bit interesting. Um, He mentions the lack of fight from Brooklyn as a reason why he had doubts about staying with the Nets in terms of how they fought throughout the year. Hard to blame the team for how they were fighting given, you know, the leadership of, you know, their second best player on the team. Hard, hard to blame that. Um, Katie, so he, this is another one. We didn't have any respect out there on the court. That's that's tough. Um, he says he doesn't feel like he's going to prove anything to Nets fans after three years. He's committed to moving forward with the teams. If you've got doubts, that's on you. It's a very Kyrie thing. Or that's a very uh, Kevin Durant thing to say. Right. I I don't have any doubts about where Kevin Durant's head is at. Uh, I just I think he, for whatever reason, whether it was Kyrie or his own concerns, whatever, he, he tried the, the power play and Honestly, the Nets weighed him out and managed to, to salvage the situation as far as they can. We'll see how this goes. But this is always kind of the thing is no one around the league expected Kevin Durant not to be committed to whatever team he was going to be on because that's just how he's wired. The dude loves to play. He wants to play. He gets paid to play. He's going to play. He's going to play great. He's going to be Kevin Durant. Uh, for, for Durant, I don't really have any questions about where this goes from here. Do I think that the possibility of him re-upping his trade request uh, is possible? Y- yes, I do. But do I think that we're not going to get the K- Kevin Durant the Nets need? No, I, I think every night he's going to give you Katie Trey. You're going to get, you know, the Slim Reaper. You're going to get this guy that's arguably a top 10 player all time. Kevin Durant's going to be Kevin Durant no matter what the situation is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, am, am I reading too much into it? Do you, do you think I'm, I'm like looking for positivity there and, and, and finding it in his quotes? Because you make it seem like that they're still kind of right on the edge of things going potentially disastrous there. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe in some of those quotes, it seems like his, his deflecting of the responsibility and what went wrong and everything else and recognizing there's a problem, that's fine. But at the same time, not necessarily admitting to his role in said problems, that could potentially be a problem. Do you think that that's still something that's likely to creep up over the course of the season? Well, I, I do, because not because of Kevin Durant, though. Right. Because of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's still there. And Kyrie Irving had some things to say as well. Talked about how it was really awkward. You know, hearing Kev put in a trade request, I opted into my player option. It's awkward. I'm sitting at home. It's awkward. First mention of the, we're all trying to find the guy who did this meme. Um, He says he honored Katie's trade request and understood it. There's been a lot of uncertainty in this building the last couple of years. There's been a lot of uncertainty in this building. Again, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. Uh, he also really was pretty pissed about his, like, there was no, like, yeah, in retrospect, I probably should have gotten vaccinated. It was best for the team. It was a rough uh, situation. Uh, quote, down, I didn't appreciate how me being unvaccinated came to be a stigma in my career. It wasn't the only intent to be a voice for the voiceless. 
it was to be something bigger than myself. He mentioned how much he lost in terms of money that basically he turned down um, a, I, tons of money to do this for four years, a hundred million for him to, to do this. Um, I don't know, David. Player. I just kind of wonder if the Nets for Christmas should all get together and buy him some wood so he can build himself a cross to nail him to. Just shooting, <laughs> just shooting blanks here. I, I don't know what to I, do. I don't here. think he, he would. He wouldn't accept that, Matt. Right. I think that's you know he's he's got his own wood. He can carry his <laughs> own cross that he'll build himself. Uh, and tell us all about it. And, and you know, tell us all he was. You know, he got the plans. He devised them himself. In any case. Uh, Look, it's uh, it's really hard to to see uh, his point here. Um, I, I don't. I, I think he was vilified to some degree, and a lot of that again was brought on by himself. And again, that that's that's problematic to me is that he's never quite understood uh, how he's at the root of these problems, how they seem to follow him, whether it's in Cleveland or Boston or now Brooklyn. So, uh, you know, there seems to be a common thread there. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. Now, you know, you've totally changed my perspective here. I was thinking, maybe I was thinking that, that what I'd read was positive, but now when you show it in a certain light, you know what? Well, that is a tire fire waiting to combust, buddy. Thank you so much. I, I'm all through with media day here. I'm done. The, the no, I'll say this. I'll say this. The optimism is Ben Simmons. That's the optimism. Because it sounds like Ben Simmons is in a good place and ready to attack. Uh, you know, Patty Mills said that he asked him, are you ready to play five on five? And he says, buddy, I'm ready to play one on five. Uh, you know, he just seems like he's ready to attack this. That really wants to get his career back on track. That's good to hear. Joe Harris said that he's a hundred percent and he's cleared to play. That's awesome to hear because there was a lot of concern that Joe Harris might never be right. They still have a deep roster. TJ Warren, not, not clear. That's that one's going to take a little while, which is a bummer. It's been two years since he played, but the roster still gonna be really good. Nick Claxton added the muscle for Muscle Watch. This is still gonna be a good team as long as they keep as as long as Kyrie Irving doesn't disrupt things. I think this can still be a contender in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Like they've certainly got the pieces. I mean, they're an, they're an improved roster, or even last year when they had James Harden on it. I think it's just a better fit uh, in terms of a better balance across the roster. And if everybody can stay healthy, if they can somehow find a way to cut out those distractions. Yeah, I'd say they're right up there alongside Boston. Well, maybe not Boston, but Milwaukee in terms of actual title contention and maybe even Philadelphia to some degree. That's that's a top four in the Eastern Conference, I think, right now in terms of overall talent and actual legitimate title contention. Elsewhere, the other big kind of question mark and drama situation was obviously with the Boston Celtics. Uh, locked on zone, John Corrales, who you can catch on the show tomorrow, was at media day for Boston and caught all of the comments. They handled this about as well as I think that they could. Uh, how can I put this? This was a tough situation for everybody that was going to talk at this because the questions are for Ime Udoka and what's going on and Brad Stevens and owner with Grossbeck who already held the press conference a couple of days ago and there's still information coming out. Interim coach Joe Missoula spoke and said that, uh, you know, he's they're just going to try and move on and try and keep going. They're focused on the things we were great at as a team. And then how can we evolve and make those even better to get where we want to go? Pretty, pretty simple stuff. The responses from the players I thought was interesting, David, especially 
they don't seem to know more than we do. It seems they're at least maybe they're not being completely truthful here. If I was PR, I would definitely have them pitching it that way. But they seemed very on. They were all pretty cohesive with the message that they didn't really know what happened or why. Uh, Marcus Smart admitted, quote, it's been hell on us. That's a pretty tough quote in terms of getting started off this way. Uh, Jalen Brown expressed a lot of concern over how this has kind of gone in terms of the not information not being completely available to the players. He says the team, Jalen Brown says the team were shocked and confused, but a lot of the information hasn't been shared with the players. Jason Tatum said it's a lot, if we're being honest, and along with everyone else, we're still trying to process it. Uh, how did the team find out about Udoka? Quote, on Twitter, like everybody else. That was what Tatum said. Yeah, this that's, is that's not what we heard before, right? We'd heard that they had been there had been briefings internally and discussions that the players were fully aware of what was happening. At least that's what I remembered from earlier reports that came out from you know trusted sources. So to find players expressing so publicly that hey, we don't really know anything, it's that seems like a little bit of spin to me too. Like if you go and mass and say, well, we really don't know much, and we know about as much as you do. And that kind of closes the door and them asking too many questions. You can, you can always just cop to the fact that, well, we don't know that much. So I wonder how much of that is true. Yeah. If it is true, then, then that's a problem because, I mean, players will tell you when it comes to establishing any kind of strong relationship or bond with your front office is as frail and weak as those are generally. At the very least, having open lines of communication like any business, like any partnership is essential and if you don't know what's going on because they're not they're keeping things from you as players as the public face of that organization that's problematic let's get a break we'll come back and we'll finish up talking about the celtics and we'll try and move on to some of the actual basketball stuff and we'll talk about some of the teams that might have had some better media days with a little bit better vibes we'll do that when we come back on locked on nba but first i need to tell you about bet online your number one source for football betting info this season had myself Dandy of a day. I'm 20 and six on the season on, on NFL sides. Regression is going to hit me pretty hard, David. I'm going to lose a lot of money this weekend. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game at Bet Online. They're your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, as well as pro and college football, and of course. Gotta get on those NBA futures. Uh, no surprise here. I like the Boston Celtics under before all this. Have put in even more money on the Celtics under for this season. Their win total still near 54 and a half. It's a high number. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. segment here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, David Ramil. Joining me, Matt Moore. You can find David on Twitter at dramil 13 I'm on Twitter at HB Basketball. Make sure to give us those five-star reviews. It helps us out so much. This is going to be your go-to place for covering the NBA. If you want the big, broad picture, the biggest stories, this is the place for you throughout the NBA season. All right, David. So let's. I want to wrap up the Celtics conversation real quick because we need to go to break. Um, 
you know, you kind of mentioned like the spin factor on it. And I think that that's probably accurate given that like, look, I'm not going to get into all the rumors that I've heard in the last couple of days. And there's been some pushback on this of, well, the reporters please talking about what they've heard without actually saying it. This is the point is that yeah. I don't trust the stuff that I've heard. I don't, I have, I haven't read the report. I'm not going to contribute to rumor mongering about what's already a very ugly situation in which there's already been damaged people's reputations and personal lives. I'm not going to contribute to it. But given how much information is already out there, there's no way that the Celtics players were completely ignorant of all of that. So some of this I think is selling. I do think it's telling, though, that they're basically saying this is tough. Like, this is a brutal situation. We're having real yeah. real struggles. I, I think that sets up for – the good thing for the Celtics is the NBA playoffs are seven months from now. The bad news is that it may take quite a difficult road to get there given the challenges that they're facing with – not only the Udoka situation and the distractions, but also the injuries as well. This is just not the way you want to start your season. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, if there's anything I mean, I'm thinking about this as you're talking about this, like the players are going to be so hungry for actual basketball as a much needed distraction that I could see them somehow finding a way to just coalesce in a way that was unexpectedly positive, uh, despite the injuries and the already pretty heavy question marks about the roster and of course the ongoing uh drama seems like it's under you know just not understating the the, the yeah. damage to the people in that front office um so with all the issues taking place within that in that organization for them to be able to just dive headfirst into basketball if they're able to put those distractions behind them and just focus on basketball this could be a very cohesive and, and and functional unit by the time the start of the season rolls around i'm curious to see how it plays out uh, if we're if we're setting aside again the ongoing issues within the organization if they can just focus on basketball it's i'm curious to see how it, it ties all together i i'm still a believer I, I i still think that that's a very good group even without galinari uh and without udoka obviously so i i'm curious to see as many are uh, how they're going to be able to put it all together I think Al Horford was the most positive today. He was basically just like, ready to move on, ready to move on. Yeah, <laughs> just I can't imagine. Constantly trying to push past it. I love um, Al Horford. All right, so let's talk about some teams that didn't necessarily have the media day from hell. Let's talk about some teams that actually are starting <laughs> off with good vibes. I'll say this. I don't think you can really win media day. I think you can only lose it. And we'll talk about the teams that we think kind of may have lost media day in the final segment. But there are, I think, some teams that had some pretty good ones. The vibes seem to be good. I'll start with one in the Western Conference, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard looks like a tank. He's ready to go. He said that if they had made the finals, he would have played last season. Fully healthy, ready to go. PG's there. John Wall's excited. They've got a deep roster. Ty Lue. Like, everything with the Clippers seems like it's in stark contrast to the team across the hall. The Clippers seem like they are locked and loaded and everything is set. And under like they seem in the right place right. to pursue a championship this season. Absolutely. Team of destiny, right? Like the, the, the vibes are immaculate. Sometimes that's all you need, at least to start. Now, of course, it can all be derailed by a Kawhi injury, and you don't wish it on anybody. But at least for now, the positivity is there. And, and that's that, that's a great point that you bring about. Like, you know, again, with everybody already, for the most part, uh, going into media day uh, overly positive, um, they didn't. They didn't do anything to discourage that or lose those points or, or that kind of optimism and positivity. So that's that's encouraging because that, that's a franchise that's been through a lot in terms of injury over the last couple of seasons, and for them to be able to get right back. And then there's the whole 
the, the, the whole positivity regarding the, the rehabilitation of John Wall and, and the support he has from the rest of the team and, 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 and close friends and teammates now on that roster, it, it seems like that is a group that's locked in uh, on the prospect of winning a title. Again, a lot of basketball to take place in between now and then, but for now at least there's a, a good vibe around that group. You didn't see that from the Lakers, however, though. I'll say this. Um, I think the Lakers won media day to the degree that they could. You were never going to come out come out of media day and being like, you know what? I think this Lakers team might just win the title. You weren't going to get there. Uh, Russ was asked about whether or not the Lakers, he feels like the Lakers want him there. And he says yeah. whether they do or don't really doesn't matter. My job is to go out there and perform. And everyone's kind of question. That yeah. is a really tough question. That's ballsy to whoever asked it. That is really tough to ask Russell Westbrook, who's cantankerous as it is, but to ask him outright if he's even wanted by the organization he's getting paid a whole hell of a lot of money by. That's that's a, a curious question and, and, and good choice of questioning, too. I'll, well, I'll also say this. like This is the one time that you're going to get him. Maybe. Every other yeah. time he's going he's gonna to storm off or yeah. just like short. Next question. Yeah. yeah, next question. So you actually got him. But the fact that he did say, you know, look, I'm here. This is where I'm at. LeBron talked about his goal is to be available. That's good. Like focus on on the health. Uh, a goofy thing is apparently for practice for training camp they're wearing shirts with chip on their shoulder. The word chip on their shoulder, which kind of corny, but yeah, you know that's a LeBron. That's a LeBron idea, right? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's that's got, that's, that's, that's right like up there with the dad jokes and the corniness that has been the hallmarks of his career. Um, you know, AD kind of wants to prove people wrong which is what you want to hear from him you want to hear that from him regardless of whether he can or not so i, I thought darvin ham's comments were positive in terms of both he and rob Polinka were very effusive about praise for westbrook saying he's done everything that we've asked of him i genuinely don't think that there's bad i don't think there's a lot of animosity about it i don't think it's personal i think that everyone's just trying to figure out okay we're in this situation how do we figure this out like what do we do um Everyone besides clutch sports, that's that's a different thing. But in general, I feel like the, the vibes are okay there. Houston, a lot of good vibes out of Houston for a young team. Jabari Smith saying that he's going to make them better. Um, he wants to be an elite defensive player. Uh, you've got Alperin Shangoon saying, we're going to be the best team in the league in a few years. I just know it. And Jalen Green reinforcing that. And like, look, I'm not impressed with this Houston team and don't love their long-term aspects. But what you don't want is you don't want players to kind of be all over the place. You do want them to be at least be excited about playing. You don't. You want them to in this situation to be to bring a little bit of joy about playing. That's the best I think you can hope for in Houston's situation. And it yeah. sounds like that they've got that right now going into the season. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely right. Uh, it just feels like like wait till they get to December and they've lost yeah. ten in a row, kind of thing. Yeah. Like they're not going to be talking about the positivity or the long-term prospects or anything anywhere close to that, it's going to be like, oh, when can we find a way to win again? Um, it, it's just unfortunate. But it's, it's uh, again, that's the reality of their team and where they are in, their, in terms of their current construction. So that's that's fair. And for them to go, in, at least let them have today. I'm not going to nitpick anything. I, I should mention, by the way, just out of the own uh, media day that I was covering today, uh, congratulations to Eric Spolstra, he and his wife Nikki giving birth to a baby girl. So uh, yeah. he was not available for media day because he was attending the birth of his daughter. So that's uh, good news um, for the Spolster family. Real quick question. Can she play power forward? Is that? 
Well, I thought Jimmy Butler isn't playing it, so uh, we have to. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that in the, in the last segment. Um, okay. One more team for the good vibes. Got to yeah. be the Pelicans. Yeah. Zion shows up, and he just looks cut, and he's lost <laughs> weight, and he's toned, and he looks like a monster, and the like everyone's excited. They said they could keep Herb Jones out of the gym over the summer, and he blew Willie Green away with how much work he put in, how much he improved. Like, the, the Pelicans hype right now is out of control. I saw the photo on Twitter of Zion and what he looked like and immediately put money on him to win MVP. That is really didn't need to see anything else. It's worth it at the odds that he's at this team. Look, I don't, they are so highly hyped David that I want to be skeptical, but this was a pretty good, decent team. They're basically a 500 team and they're adding one of the five most impactful players in the league. who's coming back with a lot of reasons to show that he's still dominant in the best shape of his career. He's still young. They're well coached. Hard not to buy Pelican stock going into the season after media day. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I, uh, I'm still skeptical because I have yet to see this team kind of put it together and especially incorporate Williamson in a way where he's maximized and contributing to real and substantive victories. So to me, I still have questions about this group, but again, in terms of what we're looking at in, t- in media day, you know, positivity, uh, being able to focus on, on good things. I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure about MVP odds for Zion, but I, I'd like to see it. Uh, are they, where are they in terms of Western Conference rankings? Because uh, are they, are they, they're not top five, I wouldn't think. But are you starting to become more of a believer? The, this is the thing is I think their ceiling and their floor are pretty far apart, right? right. Okay, so I think fair. that their floors. Their floor is probably like, you know, they still have injury issues. The defense doesn't come together. And they're like 41 like yeah. forty-one to 44 play-in team. Okay. Their ceiling is like third, I think. If you kind think of like the Grizzlies of last year. Kind of yeah. Thing. Like if you think the Pacific, if you think the Pacific is going to have a hard time because the Suns, who we'll talk about in a second, are having all sorts of bad vibes. The Clippers don't necessarily care about the regular season and the Warriors are coming off of a title run, and those teams tend to coast a little bit. If you're like, okay, those teams may not have awesome regular seasons, and you're like, one of the Wolves and the Nuggets will probably have a great season, and then you kind of like go down the line, a team that could make that jump just in terms of regular season success, it most likely comes from that division. And if you don't believe it's going to be Memphis, and I don't because of a number of, of reasons, they got worse on the roster for, you know, first off, Dallas, I think, has some questions. Again, we'll talk about them in a second. The Pelicans, to me, are pretty likely, like, we will look back and go, like, of course the Pelicans jumped to a three seed or a four seed. That doesn't make them, I don't think, a contender in the West to win in the playoffs. But as far as a regular season record, wouldn't be shocked with the, with the talent that this team has in the roster that the Pelicans wind up being a, quote-unquote, surprise team that everyone saw coming. All fair. Uh, I know. I, I like it. I, I, it's, uh, it seems like a pretty good assessment of the team and, and a lot of positivity. But I, I guess we should move on and look at the yeah. other end of the spectrum, unfortunately. Yeah. OK, so now even though it's kind of a it's kind of a home run, it's pretty hard to, to screw up. That said, a couple of teams did not have the best media bits outside of not just the uh, Nets and Celtics today. We'll talk about those when we come back here on Locked on NBA.
back here on Locked on NBA final segment. Thanks for joining us. David Ramil and Matt Moore with you trying to recap everything that happened across all of basically 28 teams that held media day on Monday. Want to let you know that you should make sure that your second listen after making us your first listen, of course, is to check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. I have multiple friends with one of their leagues using advice that they've gotten from Josh. He's an absolute beast. Also, make sure to keep tuned here throughout the week. Tomorrow, we got John Corrales and Jake Madison. Love that show. Those guys are great. They've got great chemistry. Nick Angstott and Pat the Designer are on on Thursdays. And Adam Mares and Wes Goldberg uh, from Locked on Heat with David. If you want to hear more of, more of him on Fridays, Adam will have commentary from out in San Diego for Nuggets training camp as everyone Tends to head different places. Nice shot, by the way, by uh, Nuggets head coach Michael Malone. Asked why they're hosting, hosting camp in San Diego. Says, well, you know, you want to create uh, inclusiveness and and kind of get away and get used to each other because we got so many new guys. Also, we need an actual practice facility. When we have more than two courts, we will actually hold our practice facility in Denver. Little, wow. little slight sucker punch there to the Cronkies for stalling on the practice facility the Nuggets still desperately need. Um, all right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the teams that didn't have great media days. I don't think the Heat had a bad one from everything that I saw. You were there, though. You'll be able to tell me. The power forward question is definitely still up in the air. I kind of get the sense that the Heat are just like, it's not a question. Like, this doesn't matter. Like, who's going to play power forward? Well, somebody's going to play. Oh, we're going to have four guys and bam. So does it really matter what position that they play? given how we play, that's my takeaway on kind of what the thing is. What What are your thoughts? Because this continues to be a baffling situation to me. David, I'm not tied to positionality. I get how fluid things are. But not having a guy on the roster outside mm-hmm. of maybe Jovich that you could say, Jovich, that you can really say is going to be able to play power forward, this seems like uh, a little bit of a problem. Yeah, we know it's not Jimmy. Uh, outright say he will not play the four, that he has not had conversations with Pat Riley, Eric Spolster, or anybody else about playing it. But yes, he's played in the past, and if push came to shove and they asked him to do so, he'd be willing to do so. I don't buy it. I don't think he's really willing to do it. And I actually kind of – I haven't really even had a chance to say this on the Lockdown Heat podcast, but I'll say now I'm starting to get a sense that maybe there's some frustration from Jimmy uh, that I did not get last year. Um, there was a lot more positivity last season with Kyle Lowry, a good friend of his on the roster – uh, and a retooled team that had added P.J. Tucker and was clearly competing for a championship and felt just shy of that uh, and getting to the NBA Finals this past season. But I didn't get that same positivity. Maybe it's because they struck out on a number of different opportunities to improve the roster uh, and a number of potential trade opportunities with Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, and others. So I, I, I'm starting to think that there might be some frustration from Jimmy. Again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that, that was the sense that I got. Having said that, everybody else on the roster seems positive in terms of like, yeah, we can find ways to contribute. We've got people on this roster. Caleb Martin spoke to me and Wes uh, during uh, media day and said, yeah, I don't really see it as position. I guard fours. And in fact, he did guard fours a number of times last year uh, at a high level, almost at an elite level using his versatility and strength. So he's a believer in himself that he can contribute at the power forward spot. He doesn't really care about the label of the positions. He just, you know, he go out there and he'll do whatever's asked of him. There are a couple other guys, two-way players like Darius Days and Haywood Highsmith uh, that believe also that they can contribute. Omer Yurtseven, who's actually under contract, 
thinks that he could start at center and kind of put Bam, uh, telling me and West that he thinks Bam would be at his more natural position of the four. So uh, apparently Eric Spolster also incorporating that early on in, as, in terms of running some practices already with only at a center and Bam at the four. So there's options on this roster that are going to be a little difficult to buy into until we see it out on the floor. But for now, I guess there is a mix of both positivity and uh, I'm not so sure what's going on with this team. I don't hate that idea of Bam at the four and Yurtsevin at the five. Yurtsevin was good last year. That's yeah. not a bad, I had, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it. It just hadn't really occurred to me, but that's not a bad option. I'm interested to see how that works out. Uh, as far as Butler and, and his kind of, his sentiment goes, has it been two years, two calendar years? Oh, that's three. right. Oh, that's three. Well, it's been three seasons, but it's been like two calendar years because of the of the, <laughs> the truncated season. And oh, that's right, our Jimmy Butler timer is up. Time for him to go find another team to annoy. That's right. That's that's where that's going. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, another team that look, most things are fine. I think with Dallas, the Christian Wood thing is a little bit weird. So. Jason Kidd kind of made it known over the summer and it got leaked that Christian Wood was going to come off the bench. And we were all kind of like, that's weird because you made this. That was like your signature trade was you went out and got Christian Wood. You gave up a lot of role players, some draft equity to get Christian Wood. That was That's probably the, the best player that you added over the summer. And you're going to bring him off the bench for start JaVale McGee? That doesn't mm-hmm. seem to make a lot of sense. Not to mention that Christian Wood, not exactly known to be... Um, the most team forward, no matter what you need, I'm here for you, guy. And so Jason Kidd comes out in the media, in the media, his his press conference at Media Day, right up off the bat, and says, yeah, Christian Wood's going to come off the bench. He's going to be our sixth man. It's going to work out great. Nice. I need him to be Seawood. So then Christian Wood gets up, and they say, hey, how do you feel about being sixth man coming off the bench? And Christian Wood says, that's the first time hearing about it. <laughs> And Mavs fans are going to say, but it's been talked about all over the place all summer. Do you really think Christian Woods just like hanging out on Twitter, reading our analysis? Because I'm betting Christian Wood was probably hanging out on a boat. That's where I think Christian Wood was. Probably hanging out on a boat somewhere very beautiful. Uh, not communicating that is a, this is like a very Jason Kidd. The people that have covered Christian Wood in other places have immediately been concerned about the mix of Jason Kidd and Christian Wood. That this is a fraught situation. I'm high on the pairing of Luka Doncic and Christian Wood. I think this could be really effective for both players. I tend to be a little bit more on the optimistic side of Christian Wood, despite knowing the type of player he is in terms of his attitude. But getting off on a start, by the way, then Christian Wood tweeted simply LOL after the available. Just oh, good stuff. LOL. No, I don't. Me personally, this is not the kind of start that I want if I'm a Mavs fan. You got Luca, you got a good team, you're going to be fine, but not the start that I would want in terms of the communication factor here with an important rotation piece in Christian Wood, nor do I like JaVale McGee starting. All, all, yeah, absolutely. That's fair. Uh, not at this point in his career, certainly. Um, yeah, I, this just seems like par for the course with Kid, and I have I've never been a fan of, of Kid. Kid the person or kid the coach, uh, and and the fact that he's you know somebody somebody in my own private life and in, in business years ago told me that there are two kinds of leaders and maybe this is overly simplistic but there are leaders that 
rally everybody together and, and, and try to bring out each other's strengths and form a group so that you can achieve a common goal. And then there's the leaders that kind of just like picking at each other and it kind of go uh, you know through uh, other channels to kind of see who rises to the top and things of that sort. Well, Kid, clearly the latter. Like, that's just his MO. Like, he has, wherever he's been a coach, whether it's Brooklyn or Milwaukee or now Dallas, kind of just been very underhanded in his dealings with players and, and kind of trying to stir the pot to see who rises to the top and who, who comes down and says, you know, I'm willing to do this. I mean, this is his way of testing Christian Wood and saying, well, you want to be a starter, big boy? Now you got to prove it. Well, you know what? Maybe that's the right attitude for some players. Maybe some players will rise to that challenge. I just don't know that Wood is that guy. And you already traded for him, as you said. He is the centerpiece of your offseason transactions. Why would you go to the risk already of alienating him? You don't have any other options right now. You're you're weeks away from your first game. Like you cannot start stirring the pot at this point and then hope that everything's gonna miraculously find a way to come together, especially not when you're you've got a superstar Luka Doncic and you want to be able to maximize his title window with his team and, and, and you know make the most of him before he starts to feel disgruntled and you know, that he's not happy in Dallas because they have not been able to put together a legitimate title contending team. So I, I just, it is not a good start to a season uh, if you see that. And, you know, maybe it doesn't amount to much because we're talking about Christian Wood and the Dallas Mavericks who probably aren't a contending team in the first place. But yeah, that's just, that just doesn't feel like the right way to go about maintaining and building trust and maintaining open lines of communication. And then finally, oh boy. We're going to talk about the bad vibes. And I have to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Oh, yeah. Just a reminder that things can go south very quickly in this league. Two years ago, they are two wins short of an NBA title. They have the best record in the league last season. Oh, boy. So the Sarver situation is there, and there's, there's that whole thing. But at least there's a little bit of clarity. Clarity, resolution, as Sarver has said that he's going to look at him selling the team. You got the Jay Crowder situation, which talked about, Gallon talked about last night on the show, about they're looking to trade him. He wasn't a media day today. They're looking to move forward. Crowder was a key piece of this team. He brought a lot. Like He's a defender that can shoot. Those are hard to find, especially with veteran strength and, and understanding of concepts. Last year of his deal, going to want an extension. He's really their only trade asset alongside Cam Johnson, depending on the deal, given that they had to pay Aiton after the Indiana Pacers forced their hand. Speaking of Aiton, he sounded miserable to be there today, sounded really unhappy, talked about like what he was excited about. It's like his paycheck. It, it's <laughs> it, it's a rough, yeah, it's a, it's a rough deal. Uh, in terms of Aiden's attitude and how he looks. And, like, look, it's it's hard to blame him given the team pretty clearly didn't want him. Um, and, yeah, he's there. Now, look, there's a photo of him, like, laughing and joking uh, after being very businesslike at the podium. So it, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, some of the local reporters said that it didn't feel like a funeral uh, as – Mark Spears kind of mentioned, which I think is Mark Spears. I trust as one of the best reporters in league history. Uh, he was ha- Aiden said he was happy once the Sun matched the offer, but did not look at it all. He just looks really depressed. It, it's a 
it's a bad situation overall. I don't know what the Suns are going to do to try and have this team have the again playoff seven months from now. But much like with the Celtics, this is not the environment you want to start your season in. It doesn't feel like. Yeah, uh, you know, in sharp contrast to the Dallas Mavericks, like I don't think there's a better coach suited to handle this than Monty Williams. Like if you're talking about somebody who is capable of rallying everybody and finding a way towards a common goal, they'll find resolution on the Crowder situation soon enough, whether they buy him out of his last year of his contract or find a suitable trade partner. I think they'll get something done sooner rather than later. And look, his situation, like Monty's relationship with Aiden has been problematic, but given that there are other players on this team and you have experience and leadership like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I am much more optimistic about their chances. Yes, they are a far cry from where they were last year when they were you know, so convinced of their legitimate chances at a title and to fall well short of that. Um, but it does not feel positive looking at media day, and yet I'm, I'm optimistic about their opportunities and their chances of turning it around. They, just, they, they feel like they're wired differently. I think that's a roster that's a little bit more balanced, less question marks about them. Uh, they have tasted success already, and they've got the right coaching staff and infrastructure where they can continue to move forward and find like this. They'll they'll continue to build out of this, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, I hope so. I just am a little bit worried that there's a lot of things working against them. This is going to be a test of their resiliency of the veteran leadership of Chris Paul, which has come under question sometimes for being too strict. You know, Aiden, this is a tough situation, I think, for him. Just sure. being like, it wasn't really under his control. It'll be fascinating to see how this works out. There's a lot of talent there, but a lot of questions, to be sure. All right, so, media day's over. Everyone's gained 10 pounds. Everyone's in the best shape of their careers. But it's time to get down to work. Training camp opens tomorrow for these NBA teams. Open on Saturday for various teams, including the Warriors and the Wizards and the Bucks. So we'll have you covered all throughout this week as more developments happen and get you set for the start of the NBA preseason, which that's like next week. We have games next week, David. It's wild. It's here. It's here. It's crazy. All right. That'll wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll make sure to give us those five-star reviews, and we'll see you again next time on Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA.